0: Good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. <laughs> I was chatting, chatting with two different pastors today about some, uh, some meetings that are coming up, and Brother Parrish is one of those. Where's Sister Kathy at? Come up here and get a picture of this from where <laughs> talking to Brother Parish, Brother Black shirt today. Thank you, sister. Brother Parrish sent me this. We were talking about um oh thank you. Things that pastors discuss as times grow brighter or times grow darker. Things this man might be dealing with and, you know, we bounce things off each other. But well, the parish sent me this, and I'll read it. So everybody on Facebook, are we on Facebook now? Perfect. It says, and I quote, as church attendance numbers fade across the nation, I don't know who wrote this, and online services become, more conven- become very convenient It's important to remember why church attendance for you and your family matters so much. He goes on to say, you can't serve from your sofa. You can't have community of faith on your sofa. You can't experience the power of God of a room full of believers worshiping together on your sofa. This is so true. He says Christians aren't consumers. We are contributors. We don't watch, we engage. We give, we sacrifice, we encourage, and look this is so good. We pray by laying hands on the hurting. We do life together. And the last two lines, the church needs you. I'm telling you, the church needs you. This assembly needs you. This pastor needs you. This leadership team needs you and you need the church. If you want a copy of that, I've got it in my phone. I'll send it to anybody that asks tonight. It's just timely, it's appropriate, and it's 100% accurate. And Paul, no wonder Paul wrote He must have been seeing our day when he said, forsake not the assembling, not the viewing, the assembling of ourselves together. Now, asterisk, the shut-in the ailing, those without a ride. That's what's the beauty of something like Facebook broadcast. Those that are in hospital rooms, those that cannot make it. But I will tell you right up front, there's nothing like being in the house of God and getting it firsthand. Nothing like it. Nothing like it. We are living in an age. People can take it or leave it. I forget who said it, but it's worthy of repetition. And man with an experience is not at the mercy of a man who only has an argument. And you have experience, you know what you get in person in the assembly is much better. Is much better. All right. You are dismissed. God bless you. I remember I was telling Sister Carlson as pre- we were getting ready to start preliminaries. I preached a little revival in a place in called Collierville, Tennessee. It's outside of Memphis a little bit. but And the man, pastor's name was or Massingale, Massingale, excuse me. I don't know if you remember that or not, but we preached a, about a week-long set of meetings there. And all the man had, he was starting a church, was his living room. And it was about half the size of my office. And, and every night we just had rocking apostolic visitation of God. So when people say, I, I, church wasn't quite as, I wasn't quite as tuned in tonight because the guitar wasn't roaring or the keyboard wasn't roaring. You you need a little more experience because we don't need that. We need the Lord's all we need. Hallelujah! We need the Lord. If you're going out, God bless you. If you're staying in, open your Bibles with me tonight to the second letter apostle the Apostle Paul to the Thessalonian Church, Second Thessalonians chapter three, verse seventeen. And I'm gonna do this on a split screen. Or they are the. Folks are for me. Thank you. King James and the Amplified Classic Second Thessalonians three seventeen, the salutation of Paul with my own hand, mine own hand, which is the token. Notice that what he said, my own hand, which is the token in every epistle. So I write. Now my title tonight. Then we'll read the Amplified. Is a token of every epistle. The token of every epistle. Let's read that Amplified though. Uh, you follow along and I'll read. I, Paul, write you this final greeting with my own hand. With my own hand. This is the mark and sign that it is not a forgery. In every letter of mine, it is the way I write my handwriting and signature, token of every epistle. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Your goodness tonight, your precious people in the house, we give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor, and you are worthy of all the praise, God. We bless your worthy name, bless your holy name. You may be seated, token of every epistle. I want to say this, and this is nothing, I'm not reaching for humor, I'm not looking for your appreciation or your approval even, but... If you have been paying attention at all in the last three, four, five services, we have had some very high quality presence of the Lord in this house. In the preaching, in the teaching, and the worship and the prayer at the altar, we have had some top-shelf visitations of God in this place. Now I just want to say thank you, Lord. Let's start this service off by saying thank you, Lord. God, we know that without you, we couldn't do it. We're so grateful for the richness of your spirit, the richness of your presence, the richness of your goodness, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, praise the Lord, a token of every epistle. You may be seated. For anybody that's interested, let me just run across the timeline very quickly that the Bible lays out. Concerning your New Testament. After the book of Malachi, four short little chapters of Malachi, there were 400 long years of silence. No preacher, no revivals, no Holy Ghost in fillings that are on record. No messenger crying aloud in the wilderness. 400 silent years. Then seemingly out of nowhere, it wasn't, but seemingly on the banks of the Jordan River comes this man clad in camel's hair and eating locusts, and he had a wild eye that he looked out named John the Baptist. He came preaching. Can you imagine why? Or can't you see why? They came from the Judean hillside, the north, the south, the east, and the west after no church church. No apostolic outpouring, no Holy Ghost visitation, nothing but silence. And on the scene steps this wild man preaching, there's coming one after me whose shoes were not worthy to bear. He'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And the Bible said John did not see one miracle in his ministry, but crowds flocked to hear him preach. After John the Baptist, who was the forerunner, Isaiah 40, verse 3, he's, you don't have that, but he's, he was the fulfillment of that. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. That was John's ministry. And Jesus came on the scene. And John must have thought, me, me baptize You? And with Jesus came those 12 apostles, those 12 disciples. But it went to Calvary, didn't it? Peter didn't know what was going on as Jesus hung on the cross. John was trying to nudge his way in. From Calvary went to the day of Pentecost. Then Pentecost spread to every local community in Israel. Then outside of the Jewish settlements, Pentecost spread. Acts 6-7, Acts 12-24, Acts 19-20, the Word of God grew, and the Word of God multiplied. Not the Bible, but the influence of the Word of God spread like wildfire. Show me somebody with a call of God in their life, I'll show you somebody that ought to have a little fire in their ministry. Because when you get this truth, it's going to empower you. Message spread, the gospel message spread by men like Paul and Titus and Timothy. And churches like this one were established, little preaching points. Paul would go through a community, he'd take Mark with him, he'd pray two or three people through, and he'd set somebody in charge like he did Titus on the island of Crete. And he'd go about his business. And after that, Paul made multiple missionary journeys to these churches again and again and again. These preaching points. But in his absence, he picked up pen, put to paper, and he wrote these letters that we call epistles. If you want to learn how to be saved and get in the body of Christ, you don't go to the epistles. You go to the book of Acts. That's where the church was born. That's where the fire of the Holy Ghost got its start. And the epistles were Paul writing back to the church, people like you and I, telling us how to stay in church, stay full of the Holy Ghost, stay on fire for God, stay faithful to the Lord. So when people tell you they go to Romans 10 to be saved, they are not informed properly. I'm not casting stones at anybody. Romans is an epistle written to people already saved. what did Romans 10, verse 9 and 10 mean? He was writing back to Robbie and saying, this is how you stay safe. Keep your confession. Hold fast to your testimony. Stay consistent in your ministry. These inspired letters were not just interesting apostolic or Pauline opinions, I should say. But they were these messages that Paul was inspired to write and sent back by the hands of messengers to people like you and I trying to stay saved. Why is that relevant today? Are we still trying to stay saved? Are we still trying to keep our head above water some days? Are we still trying to figure out how to defeat the devil in our homes, our families, our ministries? All right, all that I've told you, hold on to for a moment. I'm coming right back to it. But getting the right one in life is so important when you're entering specialized points of needs. If you need a doctor, you, you want to get the right doctor. If you're going to the dentist, you want to get the right dentist. I won't call any names, For the last time I went to the dentist, Sister Jen, I told the guy, I said, now, I'm good, just give me all the meds and drugs you want, but I want to be able to communicate with you. All right, and he tells the nurse, give me this and that, lays me down, tilts the seat back, and he said, you have any problems? You know, just wave a hand. I'm like, give me a break, doc. You're right here. So lay me down. Whatever that medicine was, I, I lost my breath. And my chest felt like it was inside concrete. And I'm going. And he's over here chatting with a nurse. The nurse is the one that recognized it. Got me up. Upright position. I want to make sure I get the right dentist next time I go. You got it? <laughs> hey, Doc, I'm paying you. Look at me the whole time you're working on me, all right? I'm paying for your attention right now. You go talk to an attorney, you talk to a mechanic, you want to get the right one. You want someone who will invest their self in your point of need at the moment of time. I don't want anybody. I don't want no flake. I don't want somebody just selling selling his soul to the dollar bill. I want somebody that's going to help me where I am in need right now in my life. And it matters when you have friends and advisors and people you talk to and people you let your hair down around. You need to make sure you got the right one when you're talking to them. You better make, oh, I know my friends, Pastor Herring. You better make sure. You better make sure. Too many times to number. In 33 years of pastoring the Palmer Pentecostal Church, I have dealt with multiple issues going on, all because one person thought they could trust that person, and that person talked to that person, and that person talked to those people about right. I'm exactly right. You better make sure that when you confide in people not shouting now are we? Hallelujah. Better have the right one. I'm not letting my hair down around anybody just because you tell me I can trust you. Uh-uh, no, no, no. You got to prove your life. I've got to see you're consistent. You should be able to see that I walk what I talk. If you don't think I live it, don't talk to me about your life. I'm trying to go somewhere here. I really am. It's important that you get the right advisor, the right counselor, the right church, the right pastor, the right leadership. Mm. I got five yes out of that. It's important you get the right leadership and counselor and advisor and pastor. Lord, I don't even know where to pull the blinds and stop this tonight. But my wife has been accused and blamed by church members that she talked about things, confidential. Now, they don't say that to me because I'm not going to stand for it. You unload on her. You dump on her. Facebook. You dump on her. But you don't tell us you've talked to them them already and them already and them already and them already. I feel like a spiritual surgeon. i got a scalpel in my hand right now. It matters who you talk to. It matters who you confide in. It matters that you remember who you confide in. And just because you want to throw mud at the the most familiar person. You got to have the right person in your life, Brother Carlos. If I need a friend, I want someone I can depend on. I don't want someone, Brother Quint, going to get on the phone after I talk to him and say, guess what pastor told me tonight? I'm talking about the token of every epistle. And so when you want to find out how to live in life and how to be faithful in life, they're found in one place. You're not going to go to the book of Psalms, as good as it is, as inspirational as it is, and find out how to be faithful in the bride of Christ. Those secrets are found in one place, the epistles of the New Testament. you gotta go to, You got to go to the right place. you got to go to the right place to get the right advice. Again. Again. This was Paul's routine when writing scripture. He would dictate a letter, he would sign it with his own name. We read that in there. This is how you know it. This is the token of every epistle. And then it would be delivered by various messengers of Paul to a community of believers like the Galatians, the Thessalonians, the Philippians, etc. That's the method. That brought us to where we are today. Now. Here's what I want to say about that. Paul said in 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And is profitable for doctrine. reproof, correction. Instruction in righteousness. Paul said it's all of God. If it's in the word. But knowing that. You can't lead people to the Lord. In the book of Genesis, you can unction them, usher them, bridge them, talk to them. But if people want to find out what you have, you've got to go to the right place in the Bible. So when people on the outside talking about getting on the inside, you've got to take them to that bridge, the book of Acts. Acts. The book of Acts is the bridge from the world into the kingdom of God. And Peter said that holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So someone said, what makes the Bible special? That right there. Peter said they didn't just get up and write a history book. They were moved upon by the Spirit of God and penned the epistles that teach us how to live. Here's what Paul was dealing with that he had to almost validate himself in our text tonight. Matthew or, or Adam Clark said that Paul was encountering in this particular time of his epistle ministry counterfeit letters coming into the church people writing letters on top of Paul's epistles to the to the church saying they're authentic they're real and they contradicted the commands of the Lord, the commands of the Holy Ghost, through the Apostle Paul, through the Apostle Peter, into the body of Christ. No wonder the church gets confused sometimes. So many voices coming at us. So many people trying to vie for my attention, vie for your eyes. I'm anointed too. I'm a preacher too. I'm so and so too. And we go... It becomes so unfortunate that when men on top of Paul's sincere sincere and earnest intentions spread lies and confusion and even contradiction in the name of Paul. Is this all right tonight? Anybody? I'm not picking bones. I'm not throwing rocks at anybody. I'm teaching the word of God tonight. Felt it all week and I'm going to do it. In the name of Paul, they said, here's More to Paul's letter, contradicting what the man of God said. Tell me it doesn't matter what voices you're allowing in your life. Tell me it doesn't matter who preaches to you every time you come to church. Tell me it doesn't matter who you listen to and let it counsel you. Look at what Paul said in 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 2. This is the classic Amplified. He says, not to allow your minds to be quickly unsettled or disturbed or kept excited or alarmed, whether it be by some pretended revelation of the Spirit or by word or by letter, alleged to be from us. To the effect that the day of the Lord has already arrived and is here. Paul said, listen, I'm warning you. What are you really trying to say, pastor? I'm just teaching this scripture that God put on my heart and it's it's in defense of how you and I survive in the epistles. Paul said I'm warning you. Don't let junk come into your life. Don't let voices come into your life that cause confusion. God's not the author of confusion. The world wants to confuse us. Religion wants to confuse us. Backsliders want to confuse us. Cold members want to confuse us. Oh, hallelujah. But Paul said, guard yourself. If the apostle Paul found himself in the position that he had to validate his own calling. Where does that leave you and I? If the the apostle Paul wrote two-thirds of your New Testament, had a personal visitation with the Lord Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, if Paul had to prove himself to the people he was trying to keep saved, what he said. This is, this is the token of every epistle. I sign it personally. This is how you know. Yeah. 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 The waters of ministry sometimes get so muddied up by charlatans, scammers, swindlers. The one thing that never needs validation, truth. Anointing Never needs validation. Why do you know the world we're living in, Brother Sonotag, Today, I I don't know how it is, you know, on construction sites, but so often in the world, different circles of conversation, we all we always get to the point sooner or later: who's the best at this? Who's the best at that? Who's the greatest of all time? Who's the strongest? Who's the fastest? Who's the... Why do we go there? We're 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 hungry as a society. To elevate giftings and talentings and skill sets. Every generation that's ever lived that cares about baseball. Everyone. Just, just because it's something I like to talk about. You might have something else you throw in the fire. But every generation, Brother Mike, oh no. It, it was Ty Cobb. Then it was the babe. And then it was the mick. And then you take kids today this picture on the New York Yankees a couple years ago went on in uh national publications that i could I could strike out Babe Ruth every time he came to the plate. Uh, you remember the guy's name i It's on the tip of my tongue. I'm like, you know. I don't even have a TV, but in my mind, I'm turning you off, mister. We always want to know who's better, who's the best, who's the greatest. It's impossible to compare generations. Impossible. Why do we even go there anyway? There's nothing like truth. Nothing needs validate, validate validation. Nothing about the Bible needs validation. That's what I'm trying to say. Nothing about the anointing needs approval. People don't have to look at us and say, they're this, they're that. The truth stands for itself. It's a token of every epistle in our heart. Valid. When I read the word, and we often say it, oh, I believe every word in the Bible. Well, you might want to look at 1 Corinthians 11 then, ladies. And you too, men, while you're at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul said it's a shame for a man to have long hair. That's, oh, listen to that. I quote the Bible. I didn't say that. I quoted the Bible. What you put in that coffee tonight, sister, but I'm fired up. If we ever needed, if we ever needed to keep our guard up, first John 4 said, Try the spirits. Matthew 7 15, Jesus said, Beware of false prophets. It's not in the Bible simply for historical reference. We're living in the end times. I believe that. Yeah. But the Treadwell texted me last week. Said, "Man, I want to come preach to your church." He said, "I got so much information." He said, "This world is is a is a boiling pot right now." Like, yeah, it seems to be everywhere evident, doesn't it? Yeah. We're living in that time, that hour. Worse and worse they are waxing, Paul said. And the Bible. Luke 21 repeatedly warns us about deception. Matthew 24, Jesus said it's possible. Maybe if the time gets too tight, the window gets too close, maybe even the very elect could be deceived. You know who that's talking about? You and me. There's a reason we've got stories in the Bible like Alexander the Coppersmith, Hymenaeus and and Korah and Gehazi and Judas. All right, let me just close this up. I'm close this up. I love this church. I love this people. You're, you're, you're solid. You're sincere. I told Brother Blackshear tonight. He's got a. He's trying to organize a meeting for ministers retreat. And I told. He told me the subject and how he's going to address it. And I said. I'll be in the front row, man. He said, you'll probably be the only one in the room a manning me. I said, not if you allow my leadership to be there. We'll be on our feet, brother. We'll be supporting you. Because validation, I'm not looking for it. If you're in the book, that's valid enough for me. You're preaching the word, I'm behind you. Let me, let me just close it with this. Two things that protect you from the sting of deception. Two things. And maybe you could add a third, but this is just what I corralled from the scripture. Most important part of a church, Brother Rob Carlson, is not the youth group, believe it or not. It's important. It's a branch of it. It's a finger. It's not the most important part of the church. It's not the choir. And that's a good thing to have. I appreciate everybody. We need more choir members. I appreciate the musical team, but those are not the most important part of a church. We could hire musicians. They're important. Oh, pastor said you guys all stink. What, did? You'll be surprised how many things like that come back. I'm just simply stating there's something more important. Number one, the way that you can be assured of freedom from the sting of deception. Number one is the doctrine preached in the pulpit must be solid and biblical. You have a right to demand that. As praying men and women, you better be demanding that. You know how I deem your demands? Not you telling, threatening me with notes under the door. You know how I read your demands? How you respond when I preach doctrine. If you sit on your hands and you're not involved, you're not at least looking at me and don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not an evangelist. You don't have to jump to your feet. I, I appreciate it. And that's what I'd be doing if I was there listening to me. Anyway, I, I mean that. I don't think they're more spiritual than people that are just nodding and acknowledging me. I, I get off. I feed off you doing that. Just acknowledge truth. That's how I deem your demand for truth being preached. If I can preach doctrine and you're bored out of your mind, I'm worried about it. I'm worried about it. Number one, your protection, my protection against deception is demanding that doctrine be preached in the pulpit. And number two, surefire way that I can protect myself. You can protect yourself from the sting of deception. It's called deception because I might not know what it not going to come to you saying, hi, I'm a lying spirit. Would you? I mean, oh, don't go there. An angel said to God, I know how I'll convince Ahab. I know what I'll do. I'll be a lying preacher. I'll just go into one of his ministers and I'll lie to him. And God said, That don't work. Second way to protect yourself is the experience God has given you in the seats, in the congregation. Among the beloved, what I read earlier. We pray together. We're family together. We hurt when each other hurt. I'm telling you, I've got I've got less than one second of time for people that are that have no pity for hurting and people in the church. Don't even bother me. I mean, if that family's hurting, we should all just feel wounded over here. If that family's hurting, we should feel Fragmented over there. Yeah. The experience we have in the seats, in the body, in the arena, with one another, it's got to be real. And the testimonies you offer in turn to me or to your brother and sister, they've got to be authentic. Authentic. I'm not saying because she says the cancer's gone, that's more important to others than God healed my migraine today. It's all giving God the glory and somebody needs to hear it. Somebody will get a test uh, fired up over that. Somebody will get inspired when you tell them, I'm going to make it. I'm not giving up. I'm going to see this thing through. So the demands we make on the pulpit to be better, to do our best. I don't want anybody preaching up here that crammed an hour before church. give Give me enough respect to tell me I didn't study, Pastor, and I'll reschedule you. your experience please do not rob me by when you feel inspired to tell me what God did for you today you all have my phone number text me call me talk to me don't rob me I need to hear it I need to hear it leadership needs to hear it who preaches to the preacher you do you do this is what Paul said. This is how you validate when I sign that thing. You know my anointing, Paul was saying, is all over this letter I wrote. It needs no validation. People always try to mimic something that's real. But Paul said, My reputation's in my signature. write this final greeting with my own hand. This is the mark and the sign that it is not a forgery. In every letter, there was some form of written communication that when that church at Philippi or that church at Galatia or Thessalonica, when they got the real thing, they looked for that signature. You know what was in that? Every every line was Paul's experience. Paul's love. Reaching, thank you, sister, reaching into the community of believers and helping. I called Brother Playard. and I said, Someone's certain, would you go? Drop everything you have. Pastor, that's awful. Uh, Awful, demanding of you. I felt what I felt. Brother Plow didn't argue with me. I got things to do. I'd have said, never mind. Call Brother Stacy, because when the body is in need, the body is in need. <laughs> now, I said all that to say this: that was the reason Paul wrote these letters back to the churches. Because people are not perfect. Preachers are not perfect. And we need guidance from the scripture. We need valid guidance. So if you want to know how to love the Lord more, open your Bible. Okay, I'm assuming you're born. If you're born again of water and spirit, then you open the book of Romans. And you can read all the way through the book of Jude. Those letters were written by men ordained by God, validated by their anointing. And thinking of you and I. Someone said the Bible bores me. It shouldn't. It should speak to every fiber of your being. Brother Dave, you bless me. So so many of you have a handful of you anyway, but but Brother Dave, the last month has just been sending me these things how how the Bible's just all of a sudden alive to him now you read it. read it probably all your life, but right now it's alive to him. It's speaking into his life. It's ministry. That's what it's supposed to do. It's not a history book. It's a living, breathing, life-changing command of God. Stand with me. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Precious Lord. Come on, let's find a place to pray. Find a place to pray. Come on.